Today in Oregon, right wing groups stormed the Capitol building demanding accountability from their politicians due to the damage wrought by the coronavirus lockdowns and complaining about how many Democrat politicians are flouting the rules, the rules that the small businesses are, uh, uh, must follow, but the rules that the elites ignore. I think it's only going to get worse from here, both in terms of the severity of the lockdowns and the protests against them. This protest today isn't the first one we've seen from conservatives, Trump supporters or right wing groups. I mean, they've been protesting a lot this year, but they are sort of getting angrier. And today I saw something truly, truly shocking, fascinating in the protest crowd in Oregon. There's someone waving a thin blue line flag, typically that that shows support for the police. Meanwhile, people here were yelling at the cops. You're breaking your oath to the Constitution. And the police responded by pepper spraying these conservative individuals. Blue lives matter, huh? These police officers are oath breakers. Police typically swear an oath to uphold the Constitution. Right now, they're not doing that. These people had every right to go into public, a public building and express their concerns. And the cops don't care. But my friends, if you think it ends here, you would be wrong. Right now, the UK is basically in total shutdown. One of the most severe lockdowns we've seen anywhere in the world, except maybe China, probably a few other countries, but it's bad. China literally welded their, the doors shut of people with COVID. So I don't know if you can get worse than that. I suppose you theoretically could, but let's not go there. The UK is now seeing a massive travel ban. About 40 countries are restricting access. They're banning arrivals from people in the UK. Why? A new COVID strain, a mutation that some people fear will be uh, will will be able to bypass the vaccine. Essentially, you see, the vaccine works by telling your body to destroy spike proteins, which the COVID vac- uh, the COVID, uh, the COVID virus is covered in. But if the mutation affects the spike proteins, the current vaccine might not work at all. In which case, you will get many people saying we must have a lockdown. And it's going to be worse than anyone realized. You know, going back several months, going back even a few weeks, when Joe Biden brings on Dr. Osterholm, who says six week nationwide lockdown. When we hear from Bill Gates and Dr. Fauci saying lockdown until 2022 in some fashion, that's based on the current coronavirus. Now that they're saying an even more infectious strain, which may bypass the vaccine, is emerging and may be the dominant strain, the vaccine won't work. Well, if that's true, and that's what people are worried about, it may not be true, then they're going to lock us down and it's never going to stop. When you give them the power to do it, they'll never let it go. Who would give up power in an emergency? Rarely, rarely does anyone ever give it up. But we are seeing right wing individuals rise up in protest. I have to wonder where Antifa is, because certainly the government mandating these lockdowns, telling you you can't go out. But then we watch on TV on Saturday Night Live. We watch these people hug and laugh. We watch Dr. Burks herself caught posting photos. She's with her family and they're hugging three generations of her family in direct violation of their own coronavirus restrictions. These people don't fear it. They don't care. The rules don't apply to them. The rules only apply to you. And because of this, I think we're going to start seeing more right wing groups protest and rise up and say no. Now, my prediction was that when Joe Biden becomes president, assuming he does, you know, for all intents and purposes, you're going to see right wing groups essentially uh, set up areas where they're like, you know, restriction free zone. 
You know, no lockdown zone. And we've already seen it in Washington, not too far from Oregon, where one small town basically said, we're not complying with this. Right wing groups showed up, businesses remained open, and they ignored the lockdown edict. There's one reason why these local, uh, these small towns were able to do it. No oathbreakers. Now, oathbreakers, I refer to police who violate their oath of the Constitution as oathbreakers. In these small towns, the cops are like, I'm not going to enforce this. In bigger cities and in capitals, you have a police force ready, willing, and able to violate the Constitution of this country. That is, I say this uh, more colloquially, treasonous, not legally. In the legal definition, treason is like aiding an enemy in a time of war. No, I mean, they are violating what this country stands for, and they don't care because they want money. They're akin to scabs breaking the union line because they want money. But it's going to get worse. They're, they're, they're fearing now food shortages in the UK. So let's do this. Let's, let's read the story about what's going on with this armed anti-lockdown protest storming the Oregon State Capitol building and why things might get a whole lot worse with this new coronavirus strain. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give, but the best thing you can do, share this video, subscribe, hit that like button. All of these things help grow my, uh, grow, grow my channel, help me do the work that I do. And sharing this just allows people to get a perspective they might not normally get from the mainstream media. And it's probably the best way you can actually help. But again, smash that like button, subscribe, notification bell. Let's just read the news. The Daily Mail reports about 300 anti-lockdown protesters, some of them armed, gathered outside the Oregon State Capitol building and forced their way in on Monday as lawmakers convened for a special session. Governor Kate Brown called for the special session closed to the public where lawmakers discussed pandemic relief and vaccination distribution funding as protesters gathered to oppose COVID-19 restrictions. The reopen Oregon rally started around 9 a.m. comprised of members of the Proud Boys, Patriot Prayer and other far right groups, some seen carrying rifles and pistols and waving American flags and Trump banners. They were heard chanting, we just want our rights back and USA. Whoa, whoa. I got to stop you right there and say something very, very important. When were your rights taken from you? You want them back? Please tell me in history when people peacefully requested their rights and were given them. There are some instances, no joke, no, there, there are some instances where after a certain amount of time for, for a variety of reasons, certain tensions fall apart. And then people said, we're asserting a right. And they went, yeah, sure, fine, whatever. But not typically in situations like this. I'm sorry. This is why the founding fathers gave us the Constitution. Well, not, not just the founding fathers. The Constitution actually came sometime after the Articles of Confederation, but you get the point. The First Amendment, the Anti-Federalists, they did a good job getting us this Bill of Rights, the right to peaceably assemble and for a redress of grievances. Legit. They're going to say about 100 demonstrators forced their way into the building from two entrances. And once inside, they shouted obscenities and yelled, let them eat cake as dozens of armed state troopers blocked a door into a hallway. Shortly before 930 a.m., police declared unlawful assembly and said protesters would be arrested on disorderly conduct and trespassing charges if they did not disperse. We can see in this photo, Trump flags pitch as a pitchfork there. I love it as a pitchfork. Some people holding up signs. These look like they're older folks for the most part, typically conservative. You can see in the back here, someone's actually got a thin blue line flag. And that just breaks my heart. It does. Think about how depraved you'd have to be to be a law enforcement officer 
violating your oath of the Constitution while people outside were waving that flag in support of you and the risks you take and the risks you take. Truly, truly depraved. These cops are looking at that and smiling. It's disgusting. That flag being waved is not for these men. The officers in Oregon who are doing this are the Praetorian Guard for the establishment elites who don't think you deserve rights. While this country is something different from many other countries in the world, the government is constrained by our Constitution only if people are willing to defend it. Unfortunately, these officers were more than willing to trample all over it and laugh as they did it, and even laugh at those who would dare support them. I'll also point out something very interesting is the man holding an upside down American flag. For those that aren't familiar, and I could be wrong about this, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. The upside down flag is a symbol of country in distress, not of disrespect. And so these people, this, this man waving the flag is basically saying the United States is, is in some kind of distress. If only we had young, brave men and women, got to be PC, willing to uphold their oath, the Constitution, and stand up for for individual liberties, rights, and what this country was founded on. We don't. I mean, I mean, we do. We do. We do. But the people who are getting these jobs in government, the police, and sometimes even the military, they they don't. It's a paycheck. That's all it is. And they don't care about you. They want their job. You know, I think it's really funny when you see the left yelling at the cops to like rip your badge off, throw it down. They, 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 these, these, uh, I've seen so many protests from the left where they say things like, you know, lay down your batons and join us and whose side are you on? And I'm like, bro, the police are not, you know, leftists. They're not progressives for the most part. They're not going to join you in chant because they don't agree with you. Now, this is something else. Cops more likely, in my opinion, to agree with those who wave a flag supporting them, right? The cops can't even do it here. The cops can't even say we support you too your rights. No, the cops say, we don't care. We just don't. The Constitution is toilet paper to these people. Now, apparently there's been a mass exodus of many police. I've been reporting on it for quite some time. So all of the good cops who are refusing, who refuse to violate the constitutional rights, well, they quit. That's right. Many of them quit. Many of them feeling abused. Many of them feeling like these, these rules and these laws are, uh, or these edicts, I'm sorry, are, are, are unenforceable because they violate the Constitution. And then those jobs are easily filled by oath breakers. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't be surprised if these new cops were brought in without being told to swear an oath of the Constitution. So we can see in many of these photos, police coming out with batons and at one point sprayed everybody down with pepper spray. Video from outside the building shows protesters demanding entry, shouting, we have a right to be here and arrest Kate Brown in fury with her handling of the pandemic. One woman was seen trying to climb a window on the west side of the Capitol building, but was brought down by state troopers, according to the Daily Beast. Freelance writer Laura Jadid said cops deployed a great deal of mace at the crowd. The Salem Police Department retweeted that a group of protesters had gathered outside the building and urged the public to avoid the area. Streets in the vicinity were closed down. Once the protesters got inside, they were contained within the atrium, the atrium, and where they shouted at a group of troopers blocking them from progressing further into the building. Video shows demonstrators voicing their anger with the coronavirus lockdowns. One person yelling, you're having birthday parties while you shut us down. By 1030 a.m., protesters were pushed out of the inside of the building and ordered to remain in the street after police declared they were unlawfully assembling unlawfully assembling. Why? It's peaceful. There's no rioting. There's no damage. There are people showing up to a Capitol building. Very, very different. You know what's really fascinating about all of this? Well, I was watching some of the videos, and you know what I heard? I heard support for Antifa. 
I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating. Now, let's let's calm everybody down here. I didn't hear people saying Antifa was right. We stand with them. Yay. Though some people made the claim. I've heard some people claim some people were saying that they did stand with Antifa in this regard. What I heard was people basically saying when Antifa comes out and protests and the cops shut them down, that's wrong. If they want to come out and protest, they have a right to do so. That's the First Amendment. That's not an unlawful assembly. When Antifa throws bricks and starts fires, that's unlawful. That I understand. But now we're dealing with something truly insidious and dangerous. It's not just about what the government is doing. It's about how the government is responding to one of the belligerent factions of the culture war. Belligerent isn't an insult, by the way. I'm talking about those that are engaging in conflict. There's three. There's three different distinct factions. And within them, subgroups for sure. The establishment crony elites, which includes Republicans and Democrats for the most part. And then you have populist, the populist right and the populist left. The populist left does include, to an extent, some Antifa. For the, I mean, for the most part, they just accept it, even though many Antifa are like tankies, you know, authoritarian leftists who are typically insulted by many of the progressives. <clears throat> but what you have here is the right, the populist right. They used to support the police, a faction of the establishment. If the police come out and start beating these people down and pepper spraying them, they're going to lose a lot of support. And without that support, there will be no one to defend them when the left starts saying defund the police. In fact, you're going to get way more conservatives being like, do it. I don't care. These people are breaking the law. They're criminals. No, I'm not kidding. Many people on the right defend the idea of police, the system of policing. And I think that's the important breakdown. I've long criticized defund the police and abolish the police because the general idea is, listen, there are bad cops. We need reform. 100 percent. We need reform. We need bad cops to be either fired, arrested or fined, depending on the severity of what they did wrong. We need it. We need a system by which we can hold bad cops accountable. When I was defending the police, the actions they were taking, it was based upon the riots When the far left went around smashing up businesses and destroying the lives of the innocent, I said, this is what we need police for, to stop the riots. And we all basically agreed. But now what are the police doing? Enforcing unconstitutional edict. And I'm not being hyperbolic when I say edict. A governor saying, I hereby decree businesses closed. You can't do that. This country is not, we are not a a, a, a feudalist nation. Eh, Maybe a little silly. We're not, we're not. You can't just decree yourself the executive authority and tell everyone to shut down. But the cops just say fine. They don't care about what's legal. These police are breaking the law. They're violating the Constitution. They have no legal authority to mace someone. None. They'll claim they do, but that's not the law. The police have no right to do this. And that's true if it's to Antifa or anybody else. So I'll defend the far left, the left, moderates, conservatives, and even the far right, if they want to go out and peacefully assemble. I will not defend the police when they attack or detain or arrest or inhibit people who want to do that. But let me let me move on from here because you, you, you get the gist of this. I think we're going to see more right wing groups rise up. I think that's going to escalate. And I think the left is going to say, we don't care. We don't like the establishment, and the government, and the cops. The conservatives are going to see these autonomous zones on the left say, I don't care. Those cops are oath breakers. They're going to put more faith in the oath keepers the, 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 well, uh, so they were oath keepers for those unfamiliar. It's a group of people. They've been reported as a militia. I don't know if that's the right way to describe it because some people uh, objected to my description of them as a militia, but they're people, current and former law enforcement and military who say they will keep their oath to the constitution. That's a, that's a huge dividing line. 
Take a look at this. More than 40 countries have banned UK arrivals. I mean, this is getting serious. Check this out. Global stocks sell off as new COVID strain unsettles investors. While people are protesting and saying we want accountability and the shot, the shutdowns, this is what you get. You get this photo. Carol Roth tweets, just to be clear, this is essential, but small businesses and their employees thought NYC are not. That's right. Saturday Night Live don't have to wear masks. They can hug and they can laugh and they can do whatever they want. Well, you're not allowed to see your family. You're not allowed to see your family. But uh, Dr. Burks is allowed to see your family. How about this stuff? This is is, is is this what we're supposed to be doing? I'm not trying to be mean to this guy from Microclimate. This is a company. For those that are listening, it's a guy wearing what looks like some kind of space helmet. I'm not trying to be mean to this guy. He seems like a really nice guy. And I respect that he's trying to create an innovative new product. And considering the circumstances we're in, it doesn't seem like an actual bad idea, except for if you sneeze. This guy's wearing a some kind of plastic face shield helmet with airflow vents in the neck or whatever, or something like that. So you can walk around and see people's faces. And I'm sorry, it's just patently absurd. While Dr. Burks of the Coronavirus Task Force is violating the lockdowns, they expect us to be buying products like this. Now, my question for this guy is, what happens if you sneeze and you're wearing this plastic shield and not splatter all on the inside of your of your face shield? Yeah, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. But this is what's happening to people. The panic, the fear, it's, it's nonsensical. Why, why are, are the elites not scared of this? I have to wonder. Why are they having meetings? Why are they not wearing masks? Stacey Abrams, during the electoral vote count, wasn't wearing a mask. Nobody cared. Rules for thee, but not for me. It's only going to get worse. If you think people are going to put on these space helmets to walk around, to be scared and can't go out and can't run their businesses while the elites party and laugh and hug and sing on TV. You are sorely mistaken. Now, maybe, maybe people just roll over and do nothing about it. It's possible. Or maybe people push back and we see mass protests. The most effective nonviolent civil disobedience would just be people opening their stores and running their businesses and defying these lockdowns like we saw in Mossy Brook. Take a look at this story. Yahoo News explainer. Our new coronavirus strains cause for concern. They say reports from Britain and South Africa of new coronavirus strains that seem to spread more easily are causing alarm. But virus experts say it's unclear if that's the case or whether they pose any concern for vaccines or cause more severe disease. Viruses naturally evolve as they move through the population, some more than others. It's one reason we need a fresh flu shot each year. New variants or strains of the virus that causes COVID-19 have, have, have been seen almost since it was first detected. On Saturday, Prime Minister Boris Johnson of the UK announced new restrictions because of the new strain. Several European Union countries and Canada were banning or limiting some flights from the UK to try and limit any spread. They say what's concerning about it. Health experts in the UK and US said the strain seems to infect more easily than others, but there is no evidence yet it is more deadly. Patrick Valance, the British government's chief scientific advisor, said the strain moves fast and is becoming the uh, dominant variant, causing over 60% of the infections in London by December. The strain is also concerning because it has so many mutations, nearly two dozen, and some are on the spiky protein that the virus uses to attach to and infect cells. The spike is what current vaccines target. Quote, 
I'm worried about this for sure. But it's too soon to know how important it ultimately will prove to be, said Dr. Ravi Gupta, who studies viruses at the University of Cambridge in England. He and other researchers posted a report of it on a website scientists use to quickly share developments, but the paper has not been formally reviewed or published in a journal. The vaccine one. That's really fascinating to me. You know, there's been about a million people, I believe it's been it's been reported, have, who have been vaccinated in the U.S., uh, mostly frontline workers and many elderly. And there have been a handful of reports of adverse effects, a handful. I see these stories about anaphylaxis. I take that seriously because I have allergies myself. And there was official guidance from the U.K., where they said you can't get the vaccine unless there are resuscitation measures readily available. That's serious. They said certain young, young, young people under a certain age shouldn't get it. Pregnant women shouldn't get it. They put a bunch of restrictions on this. And I said, OK, take it, t- take it all very, very seriously. But I had to wonder why it was. There's this video of a guy getting a shot with nothing in the needle. And then I posted and people say I was being anti-vax for bringing it up. I'm like, what do you mean he didn't get the vaccine? That's what I'm complaining about. Why would the media put out these stories to scare people about the vaccine? Well, I think the simple solution, very obviously, is ratings, scary, woo, and then they get to they get to scream at me and claim I'm the anti-vax one. I'll tell you what I think it is. I think vaccines are, for the most part, safe. I believe there are adverse reactions and effects that occur. That's a fact. I think you should talk to your doctor about what's best for you because we're all different. Your doctor knows better than I would. And there are certain reasons why I think, first of all, I'm at the back of the line, but due to allergies, I don't want to get it. Plus, I think it's fair to say I don't trust big pharmaceutical companies. That's fine. But now I'm looking at the story of this great mutation and how the vaccine might not work. And I have to wonder, is this how they bypass Trump's accomplishment? Trump was behind Operation Warp Speed. Trump is the one who rushed this this through and solved the problem. And now they're saying, even if you get the vaccine, you can't go out. You still got to wear a mask. You still got to social distance. Think about it. It's really tough to say things like, you know, don't take the vaccine because, well, the mainstream media are the ones who want people taking the vaccine. But that means they have to admit Trump won. Trump was right. Trump's project worked. So what do they do? It's dangerous. They scare you. They can't come out and overtly say it. But we did see Kamala Harris. I believe it was Kamala Harris and and, and Biden and like Cuomo saying, I'm going to wait. I'm not. I'm not. I don't trust this. They started it. It was it was Democrats, the establishment who were critical of Trump's vaccine program. And that was criticism of Moderna and Pfizer and BioNTech. That's not Trump. Trump nailed it. The problem was solved. For the most part, we're dealing with a crisis. It's not perfect. But this means with the vaccine, we can get back to normal. And then all of a sudden, we see these stories that are like, it's so dangerous. It's so bad. And now they're like, oh, a, a, a mutation, a, a mutation. Oh, it's too bad. The vaccine might not work now. Spare me. It seems like no matter what happens, there's not going to be a satisfactory answer to what's going on. And that's why I think I think the protests are going to get worse and maybe escalate into something else. I'll put it this way. Yes, the, vi- the virus could have mutated. And yes, maybe now the vaccine, they're worried it could be ineffective or less effective. I don't think it's a conspiracy that viruses mutate. I think they're going to take that and exploit it to the best of their abilities, the same as they did COVID in the first place. They're going to say, see, Trump didn't solve the problem. Oh, no, it, it, it was rushed. If only we did a proper vaccine. They're not going to let Trump take this. Now, they're hoping by offering Trump up that, you know, look, you did the vaccine. Congratulations. He'll go away. But he's not. So they're not going to give it to him. So what next? As I've been saying, 
the right will not tolerate an anti-scientific edict. The World Health Organization has already said lockdowns are a last resort that can be avoided. Can be. Then why are we seeing all of this? As more and more police start to push and and prod upon these uh, working class individuals, regular Americans and conservatives, they're going to lose more and more support. Then when the left comes and says defund the police, what do you think the right is going to say? They're going to say, oh, those guys get them out of there. If they're not upholding the Constitution, then what's the point of having police in the first place? The defense of police specifically is about them upholding the Constitution and protecting the innocent. When rioters come and destroy our businesses and burn things down, if they're the ones burning things down figuratively, destroying small businesses, then conservatives aren't going to support that. And while the idea of policing will be supported, the, tra- the traditional view of the officer in the neighborhood or, or the sheriff coming and, and, and protecting you and helping you, if that's not what we get, then you're not going to have conservatives supporting the police for much longer. Then we start to see something interesting like we did in Mossy Brook. But what happens when Joe Biden can't do anything about it? Well, maybe peacefully people just go back to work and ignore all of the edict and the police overwhelmed can't do anything about it. it you, listen, I'll give you a, I'll give you a good example. I, I often wonder, you know what? I'm not going to use a real, real, real world example because I'll get demonetized. I'm going to use a cartoon example from Avatar, The Last Airbender. If you're not familiar with the show, there's four nations. The people of the Earth Kingdom, many of them, are, are captured as prisoners of war by the Fire Nation. And there's more of them on this big boat than there are of the Fire Nation soldiers. And the question is, why won't they rise up and fight back and take over? There's more of them. It's because there's not, they're not organized. It's because they're suppressed and pushed down. And that's it. What I mean by that example in the show, they eventually realize they outnumber and overpower, and then they get access to some materials that allow them to fight back, and then they fight back. Imagine what would happen with mass nonviolent civil disobedience, a general strike. That's what the left is calling for. Well, right now, I think a general strike that would be effective would be actually the opposite, a general work, or whatever you want to call it. If everybody just nonviolently protested by opening the doors to their businesses, then what could anyone do to keep the shutdown going? The police would be powerless. That's the point of nonviolent civil disobedience, to challenge the government and, re- and demand a redress of grievances, as is our right in the First Amendment. When the police are pushing down and suppressing even conservatives, they're not going to have support for much longer. Then what happens when you have 100 million people demanding a redress of grievances? 74 million people didn't want Joe Biden and about half of Democrats didn't want him either. Now you're going to see these people saying, I'm not going to mess with you. You don't mess with me. But those people are a problem. The, the, the establishment, the government, the, 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 the police. I'm actually worried about it. I, 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 you know, I was thinking about this, this, this feeling I'm getting. And it's kind of scary when people don't look at the government as legitimate, both left and right. Because I don't know where that brings us, but it's a scary thought. Nothing I would want to happen. I want to go back to hanging out, playing video games, having friends come over, going to the bar, having a pizza and just working and living a normal life. That's normal as it used to be, but we're not there anymore. So what happens now? I think the right is going to be emboldened. We'll see what happens on January 6th. You know what's going on then? That's the final day for the electoral process by which Trump can try and stage some kind of, you know, attempt at take, you know, retaking the presidency. Will Trump supporters muster the political willpower and actually show up. I'm hearing some crazy rumors. 
And I'm hearing from a lot of people who normally I didn't think would do anything are telling me that they're going to be there. That makes me wonder. But will they actually? Will they have? Look, the left has tremendous political willpower. They'll occupy and they'll sleep in the street for it for months like they did at Occupy Wall Street. The conservatives, there were libertarians and conservatives down at Occupy Wall Street in the first weekend and never came back. It's political willpower, convenience. The right tends to say, well, we'll fight another day. And the left hold, has a temper tantrum and screams and demands. So, they'll, so they tend to win. The establishment is destroying the economy, not COVID. And when we see the elites go and party, we know they're not really scared of this. We need to protect the vulnerable, but we need to reopen. They're not going to do it. They're going to say it's getting worse, and maybe it is, but this, one, this lockdown will never end. January 6th, I wonder. I don't know if the Trump supporters will have the political willpower to do anything. I mean, maybe they show up, maybe they march around, and they bullhorn, and they yell, rabble, rabble, rabble. But will that do anything? Honestly, I've seen more than enough protests in my day in D.C. to know it won't. I mean, remember March for Our Lives or the Women's March? What did that accomplish? Not a whole lot. I'm sorry, it's just true. You have to have strong political will. And right now what we're seeing with the right protesting, it's more than we've seen before, you know, storming into this building and making demands. But the left is leaps and bounds ahead of what the right is doing. Unfortunately, I think the left is misguided and very wrong in the direction they're trying to go with things. And I think violence is wrong too. Nonviolent civil disobedience is the appropriate way to bring about change. It is. I'm telling you, a lot of people don't want to believe it, but violent uprising sours public opinion. You need legitimacy. And that's why nonviolence of disobedience works better. It does. At a certain point, I understand political violence, you know, but we're nowhere near that. And, and it would be a huge mistake for anybody. We don't need it. Uh, although we're having problems, if everybody just said, I, I object, then that would be the end of it. That's all we need to happen. Mass communication makes it possible. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. No IRL show tonight. We're getting into Christmas and New Year's and everybody's off and gone. And, you know, guests are like, I'm with the family. So uh, but we're gonna have some pretty big shows this week. So stick around and I will see you all tomorrow at YouTube.com slash Timcast News at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then. We have really good news for everyone this morning. The Republicans and Democrats have gotten together and finally worked out a deal on a coronavirus stimulus package. It'll be about $900 billion, and you will get about $600 in spending cash to grease the wheels a little bit for the American people, you know, make the machine churn. You'll be able to pay your rent, go out, maybe buy stuff. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Now, of course, it's your money. I mean, the $900 billion, where do you think the government gets their money from? It's your labor, the taxes you've paid, and the government just basically money printer go burr, as it were. So uh, you will be losing about $2,700 in, in taxes, but uh, you'll get back 600 Congratulations. And that leaves the remaining, you know, 1100 or I'm sorry, 2100 or so uh, dollars to go to, uh, you know, big businesses and major corporations. But that's just the way it's got to be. You know, it's for our own good. It's a good cause. The coronavirus pandemic is a very serious problem that everybody everywhere takes seriously. And, and no one at any point, should ever challenge what the elites tell us when Dr. Burks herself is slammed for hypocrisy for going to a family vacation with three generations of her households. Yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. You get it. The stimulus package is a joke. Look, early on, I was very much in favor of a stimulus 
doing something to help make sure these businesses can keep functioning because we had to lock everything down. And, uh, uh, you know, the videos we saw coming out of uh, China and the videos early on and even in this country, they were shocking and, and, and scary. And I think we had a very serious crisis with COVID early on as a novel virus and a lot of people died. Since then, we've realized the lockdowns do not work. I mean, the fact that we're in another fiasco like this shows, in my opinion, the lockdowns just, they, they didn't cut it, okay? We locked down to the, to the best of our abilities. We've all been wearing masks and socially distancing, but here we go again. COVID's back. Of course, the bigger question is, while we can talk about the efficacy of lockdowns and why we continue doing it, why the first stimulus made sense, again, because I think we were like, okay, we have to do this. It's going to be bad. We knew there were going to be provisions for big corporations. Now they're doing it again and again and again, and they're just continually extracting things. The big question we have to ask ourselves is, if we think lockdowns don't work, and there may be another way to solve this problem, why, why is it? That these elites, these, these, these Democrats, these uh, medical professionals aren't scared at all. Oh, they've got you scared and the media's got you scared, got you all scared. And there are people who walk down the streets screaming, wear your mask, wah, terrified. Uh, I've seen, I've seen stories and videos of people like walking down the street and like jumping away from people terrified. If Dr. Burks herself from the coronavirus task force does not care. Why should anyone else? There, that's the big problem. You know, when we see Gavin Newsom, I can just call him a moron. He goes out to eat and he gets this fancy breakfast or dinner or whatever. It's called him a moron. When Nancy Pelosi and Lori Lightfoot and Gretchen Whitmer got to get their hair did, I just think they're dumb and they're authoritarians. But there's something to be said about all of these people who in no way fear anything that's going on. So the question remains, Maybe at some point, or I should say, when will people start to realize the elites don't fear COVID, are exempt from the lockdowns, and are perpetrating the largest transfer of wealth in human history? And this is a tweet I put out in response to Carol Roth, who tweeted, just to be clear, this is essential, but small businesses and their employees throughout NYC are not. And it is Saturday Night Live with, it looks like Kristen Wiig and Kate McKinnon. I, I don't know who these people are. <laughs> I think that's Kristen Wiig. And, uh, uh, I don't know her name, whatever. Saturday Night Live cast members hugging and laughing on the TV, clearly not scared at all. Why are you scared? Why is anyone scared? We have to, you know, our leaders are giving us an example of what they're actually concerned about. So we can say, so we can say two things. They're lying to us or they're morons. Either way, I think we're facing a pretty serious problem. Now, listen, I don't need to get into all of the deep details of Dr. Burks herself partying with her family and her kids and three generations. Clearly, in no way does she care about COVID. Wonderful. Thanks for setting an example, Dr. Burks. You've been great. And look, this is Donald Trump's coronavirus task force. Dr. Fauci was caught at a ball game sitting next to people with no mask on. These people don't care. So what is it? Is COVID a very serious threat? Or are these people magically immune or are they all just really, really dumb? You know, I have to say maybe a little bit from column A, maybe a little bit from column B. They're dumb and they don't uh, uh, and they don't care. They're, or I should say, well, I don't know how to put it. I think COVID is, 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 is a real problem. 
But I think these people are, are in a position where they're the ultra elites and they just don't have to think about it. The lockdowns don't pertain to them. I don't think that COVID, uh, based on what I'm seeing from them, is this like widespread airborne Ebola that's, you know, causing all this harm. Uh, uh, I think it's, it's uh, what, what I should say is, to clarify that, I don't think that it's, it's like zombie movie-esque worst pandemic ever. I think it's bad. I do think to a certain degree lockdowns worked. And I think one of the big reasons they keep pushing these, uh, these, these lockdowns is, is it's really simple. They want to be safe for themselves and they don't care about you. So put it this way. If there was no lockdown and the COVID numbers were way, way higher, well, these people who are older would be freaking out because they don't know who's in contact with what. By locking everything down, they reduce the chance that there's going to be exposure for them. And then go around, do whatever they want, do their little happy hugging on TV while you get your wealth extracted, your business is destroyed, and they don't care. They're rich. Not all of them, but most of them. You look, if you're, if you're wealthy, and maybe there's some wealthy individuals watching, you know that you can sit back, put your feet up, and you don't got to worry about anything. You can take care of yourself and prepare for what you need to prepare for. And now, for all the working class people watching your business is destroyed and your savings is collapsed, you've got nothing. There, we've got people facing eviction. So what do they do? They give us this, this, this bill right here. The $900 billion coronavirus relief deal Congress just brokered from Just the News. They say the House and Senate could vote to approve the package as early as Monday, and President Trump is expected to sign it. More help is on the way, McConnell of Kentucky said when he announced the deal on the Senate floor. So here's what's gonna, what we're going to get. Individual stimulus checks. The bill offers up to $600 per person including adults and children, for families making less than $99,000 annually. The payments begin decreasing for those above $75,000 in annual income. The bill includes more than $284 billion for more forgivable paycheck protection program loans. The bill expands eligibility for nonprofit organizations and news outlets and lets churches and faith-based organizations qualify. Unemployment benefits of up to $300 per week will be extended at least through March 14th. They'll provide tax relief, business Businesses that receive PPP loans and had them forgiven will be allowed to deduct the costs covered by those loans on their federal taxes. The bill will also provide a White House-backed tax break for corporate meal expenses, COVID vaccine assistance, entertainment industry aid. That's exactly what we needed. I saw those people on Saturday Night Live hugging, and I said, oh, those poor millionaires. Uh, what can we do to help them? They must be crying their eyes and wiping it with $100 bills. I'm so sad. Can we please pool all of our tax resources to help them? The legislation will provide $15 billion for independent movie theaters and cultural institutions. Okay, I'll tone it down a little bit. I do think those are still businesses that are uh, needing of support, I suppose. But what? These movie theaters are just going to get this, 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 this check and then what? We're going to expect movies to come back at some point? Don't, don't spare me. Eviction moratorium, I think, is, is good, but this doesn't actually solve any problems. I'll put it this way. You've got a buildup of, uh, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a personal example. Okay. I had, uh, we had, we had our water softener break and then all those little beads get jammed up in the pipes. And so they don't stop coming. Okay. You can turn the water off. 
You can change the filter and say this will hold back the flow of this you know, sediment for some time. And the sediment keeps building up. What I'm trying to say is you can say we are not going to evict people. But all you're doing is putting your finger over, you know, a pressurized chamber and the pressure is building and building and building. What happens when the eviction moratorium is up and people owe $6,000 in back rent or, or, or mortgage payments? Then it's like, well, the eviction moratorium's over right about now and you're evicted. Or here's your notice. Or they could probably still argue, I gave them notice of eviction the moment the moratorium was up. It doesn't solve any of the problems. So I have to I have to question why it is that they're so they're 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 so uh, nonchalant about everything that's happening. They don't care. Rent assistance, twenty five billion dollars in emergency assistance to renters. Education funding. There's eighty two billion dollars set aside for colleges. Oh, colleges and schools to fund AC and heating and repair and retrofit and reduce coronavirus risks. Blah blah blah. Child care aid. Here's what needs to happen. Republicans need to start arguing and negotiating on right wing terms, I guess. I don't know if right wing is the right word, but counter to what the Democrats have done, because let me break down for you exactly what's going on right now. My friends, Democrats in many different cities and states have destroyed the economy, shut it down, and it's clearly not solving the problem. Okay, so what do we do? At this point, after seeing all of this throughout the year, perhaps we reopen, protect the vulnerable. And I'm not the only one who's, who's advocated for this. So I ask, as Republicans do nothing and come to the negotiating table and say, OK, Democrats, what is it that you want? We want $1,200 for people. Republicans go 600. That's not negotiating. Negotiating would, would, would be Republicans saying, oh, you want $1,200? Well, here's what we want. We want a bill mandating the reopening of the economy nationwide with special protections for the vulnerable and the elderly to get vaccines to those who, who need it most, but to get young people back to work, schools to reopen, and business to restart. How about that? And the Democrats would have to counter. No, but we don't want any of that. Well, too bad. Too bad. That would be actual negotiating. Republicans don't do that. They don't. And see, that's the issue. People often say, Tim only rags on Democrats. That means he's right wing. No, 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 no. Hold on. That's partly true, but it misses some important context. When Democrats are like, we want to burn the whole house down. And I'm like, that's a terrible idea. And Republicans go, maybe we should only burn down the kitchen. I'm like, okay, you shut up. You're nuts. I can tell the Republicans to shut up. Because these politicians aren't actually negotiating anything. Or I could look at those who are actually setting fire to the place. Tell me, what have Republicans done? Seriously, good or bad? They block a lot of bills. Oh, okay. They're just sitting there being like, nah, mm, I don't know, nah, not doing anything. Not negotiating for things conservatives or Trump supporters or Republicans actually want. Not actually countering these negotiations. The problem we are facing right now is an economic problem caused by Democrat politicians, governors, etc. And it's so bad that over in California, they're actually trying to recall Gavin Newsom. 844,000 signatures so far. They're about, I believe, half the way there to trigger a special election and remove the guy. I look forward to it. I think it's something that needs to happen because I tell you this. I don't know. Uh, uh, look. We, we, we need to send a message to politicians who get nothing done. 
We need to make sure they know that if they aren't doing anything, we are watching and we're going to say no to them. For too long, people have gone into the voting booth and said R or D, Republican or Democrat, and that's it. That's ridiculous. Nobody knows what they're voting for other than party, and the parties don't care. Democrats have an activist base. The activist base makes demands. So the Democrats say, all right, all right, they want us to burn the house down, so we're going to burn it down. And then the Republicans go, "Uh, just the living room? Yeah. Where's the activist base on the right to say, here's what we demand of our politicians? I suppose the left started this when they went, uh, you know, full activist, as it were. And then the Democrats started playing into the activist base. The only counter, I suppose, would be conservatives doing the same thing. And that leads to conflict, because then you're going to have a hard disconnect in policy. Then you're going to have Republican politicians passing bills or proposing legislation that would force the economy to reopen. Democrats are going to start crying and shaking, going, but COVID, I'm so scared. <laughs> Pew Research shows it. I'm sorry, it's true. Something like only four or five percent of Democrats feel comfortable to go back to work. So Republicans and conservatives are going to say, get everyone back to work. And we're going to say, and the Democrats are going to say, that makes no sense. Why would I do that to COVID? And so the left is going to say, shut everything down. The right's going to say, that makes no sense. You can't function with no economy, with, with no tr- uh, transactions, no food. Clearly, we're at an impasse. The good news is Republicans don't actually fight for anything. So in the end, there won't be a conflict between the establishment political parties. The Democrats can scream, burn it down. The Republicans will be like just a little bit, as I've said. But maybe if more Trump supporters start making demands as the Republican Party becomes more of the party of Donald Trump, then we're going to start seeing the inverse. We're going to start seeing things like universal gun ownership laws, things like that. Now, my friends, I love this tweet here from Spike Cohen. He says 600 times 328 million is 196.8 billion. This bill is for 900 billion. Guess who's getting that other 700 billion? Hint, it rhymes with crony schmorporations. Oh, and guess who's going to pay for it? Hint, it rhymes with you, your schmildren, and your grandschmildren. Yes, that's who's going to pay for it. It's debt. It's inflation. It extracts the, extracts the value of your labor. They found a very clever workaround for everything. How do you buy things and borrow from the American people without actually taking money out of their pocket? Inflation. What you're seeing on the screen is Fred economic data from the St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank economic research. And as you can see, take a look at this very beautiful, beautiful, massive spike. They say 35% of all U.S. dollars in circulation were printed in the last 10 months. Amazing. Do you know what happens when you mass print currency? Well, look, I'm not an economist, all right? But I can tell you they're extracting your labor, your value. When you work for that hour, they say, I I love this. I love this. I love this the most. The left says increase the minimum minimum wage. Here's how they do it. They inflate the currency so it's worthless and then offer to pay it twice of what was now worth half. Get it? If 10 bucks an hour can't buy, you know, can only buy if, if, if let's say this. If right now, 10 bucks an hour gets you two gallons of milk. And then they inflate the currency. So now $10, $10 an hour only gets you one gallon of milk. Then they go, but don't worry, we're raising the minimum wage to $15. Congratulations. Now you can buy a gallon and a half per hour. You have lost economic control. You have lost economic access. That's the problem with inflation. Now, there are some arguments I'm seeing from the left where they say things like 
this won't cause inflation because there is, you know, no GDP growth or whatever nonsense. They say that there there can only be inflation if there's a rapid exchanging of goods. And right now there isn't. So there's no real value to the money. That's, it, would, it wouldn't inflate. In fact, some are arguing it could deflate, but I'm not sure I agree with that. The argument for deflation is that the U.S. dollar, it, uh, people have very little of them. And so they're becoming very, very, uh, they're, they're, they have nothing to, like, they have to be very careful about what they spend it on. So what happens is the rich get a massive amount of money that theoretically, theoretically can buy them more. And, and maybe this makes sense. Think about it this way. If you normally charge 100 bucks an hour because you got a specialty job, you're the, the best, the best 3D printing, manufacturing, whatever. You're good at what you do. All right. You charge 100 bucks an hour. But now nobody's working and you're desperate. And so you're reaching out to everybody saying, dude, like, I'll do it. Just 50 bucks an hour. I'm not paying 50 bucks. I don't have a job right now. And you're freaking out. So you depress your own wages. You then find some very rich individual who says, I'll tell you what, $50 an hour and you will build me a new home. Something ridiculous. But you're desperate for work. So you take it. Now that $50 can actually buy way more because the economy has been destroyed. And although it can buy them way more, what you can get for that money as a working class individual is way less. You're not going to have access to goods and services. So you're ultimately going to be sitting on a lot of money that you can only use for like food and rent and things like that. The rich people, however, will have 10 times as much money. They're totally fine sitting around. They've been investing in, in big corporations that have been growing in value. And that's it. They'll continue to uh, extract the value and the wealth of the working class, and we'll sit back, and they've got the left screaming and cheering for it. This is the inverse of a minimum wage increase. Rapid inflation or destroying of the economy makes people desperate, makes their wages go down. Maybe they're hoping that the rich will be able to control more of the economy, and the poor people will be satiated because after all this is said and done, they'll throw you a bone and you'll say, oh, thank you. You destroyed the economy, but you gave me $600. Thank you. I love it. I love seeing memes from the left where they say things like, you know, uh, working 40 hours a week is not an accomplishment. How could you like wake up every day and be excited to have worked 40 hours a week or something like that? And I'm like, man, how crazy is it that there are people in this country that hate work? Work is fun. Work is productivity. It's like building something, accomplishing something. Every like what people don't understand about work is like anything you might do for fun, playing a video game, right? You play a video game and then you beat a level. That's work. There's no difference. The problem is what you prioritize. If you get your satisfaction and fulfillment from things that are of no value, that's the problem. So what happens is people end up getting jobs they absolutely detest and thinking the concept of work itself is bad and it's not. I think these lockdowns are going to go on for quite some time, but I think people are going to snap because of it. The Democrats, the progressive Democrats, they want universal health care. They want Medicare for all. Well, they're not going to get it from the Democratic Party. And the right wants a return to normalcy, I guess, and the economy is to reopen. And you're not going to get that from the, from the Repub- uh, Republican Party. Our political class is worthless. The, the Republicans don't negotiate on behalf of what Republicans and Trump supporters want at all. They do nothing but say the Democrats are bad and we're going to hold them back a little bit. And you're like, I guess I'll take what I can get because the Democrats are nuts. And then the Democrats are nuts and the progressive Democrats, many of whom I think are nuts. I don't, I don't agree with them, but a lot of them are like, how does any of this make sense? There's an actual uh, faction of leftists who are not ultra woke and they call the woke corporate Democrats the neoliberals. And I think one thing we probably should make, uh, make sure that we're, we're getting right is that, you know, people like Jimmy Dore, 
He's a great, he's a good dude. He's smart and he's economic leftist, but he's populist. So he's talking about the exact same problems. He's just calling for a, a, a different solution. Maybe we disagree on that. But if we all agree on the absurdity of the ultra woke garbage corporate nonsense and the political establishment being trash, then maybe we can start from there. But I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then. I actually agree with Jank Uger of the Young Turks, but only a little bit. The general assessment that he gives, and it's really interesting because he does make some really, really important points. In an op-ed, he writes, three Americas, we can't agree on anything. And what he writes is very, very important, and I think everyone should read for two reasons. The first is that he does break down the fracturing in America, the populist right, the populist left, and the establishment, and how all three Americas believe different things and are about to fight each other in some way or another. But the other important thing he does is he proves himself wrong insofar as the progressive left doesn't understand what's really going on, and they are victims of the establishment manipulation. There may be three factions, but there should probably only be two, the populists and the establishment. But the establishment has done a really good job of manipulating people like Jen Uger into saying things that hurt the populist cause. You see someone like Jimmy Dore. Right now, there is a progressive civil war, as it were, going on. Many progressives like Jimmy are saying, force a floor vote in the House on Medicare for all. Right now, the progressives have the leverage. Nancy Pelosi wants to be Speaker of the House just one more time. But because the Republicans made massive gains on November 3rd in the House, there's now a possibility that with the small progressive contingent, they can say, if you do not push a floor vote for Medicare for all, then we're not going to vote for Nancy Pelosi. And then what, what ends up happening is you get a Republican Speaker of the House as the minority party, which would be really, really fascinating. I'm not convinced that would actually happen. But the progressives certainly have leverage over the establishment. But now we read this from Jen Huger, and then, we'll, and then I'll show you some of the comments from this internal progressive civil war debate. Uh, civil war figurative. Come on. And it's interesting to see that Jen Huger is a victim of establishment narratives and manipulation. And so he actually proves himself wrong in this. And it's unfortunate because he's actually right about the three Americas, like I said. But what I see from this op ed is kind of a window into a parallel reality where they think they're right. They think they're the reasonable, rational individuals, and they're not. And this, my friends, is the proof. One simple line in this breaks it all down. Let me read for you what Jenk says. And, and, and with respect, I do agree with, with a lot of what he's saying. Writing for The Hill, Jenk Uger says, we live in strange and interesting times. There are now not just three different groups of people in this country, but three different realities. That's scary in and of itself. But what's even scarier is that most people in power have no idea this is happening or how to react to it. What are the three? What are the three tribes? First, we have an old friend, the establishment. Its members have been around the longest. Their worldview is cemented by the best propaganda the world has ever seen. They've convinced the world that the country that does the most invasion seeks peace. The country that ethnically cleansed a continent seeks equality. And the country that enslaved people stands for freedom. And everyone believed it. 
These days, driven by greed, they are busy convincing people that we can afford war, but not health care, and that somehow the carnage of war keeps us safer than high quality medicine. That if the rich have all the money, the poor will be better off because some small amount will one day trickle to them. It's interesting how he calls them out for their propaganda and is very clearly a victim of it himself. My friends, I am very, very anti-war, but I understand the concepts of power vacuums and fighting for resources. If we were energy independent, we are. And if we can maintain this, we don't need war. That's the big issue. So he's right. The machine loves war and convinces us we're safer because of it. When we could bring our troops back for the most part, we could bring our troops back, focus on rebuilding at home and strengthening America. But that's not what's happening. The establishment, crony politicians selling us out and extracting value. They are selling us to the highest bidder. Joe Biden will 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 see us stripped bare, nothing left and everything America's ever owned going over to China. And Jenk Uger helped that happen. You see, that's not that's not the evidence. Let me show you this line he puts in here where it just proves they really are victims of this propaganda. But think about that. I mean, the fact that you would support Joe Biden after everything we knew about the guy. Why? Because orange man bad, because Donald Trump is a fascist who apparently doesn't have the power to do anything, was struggling with his own internal administration, with, with, with hiring people for his administration, firing people left and right. I've often said one of the best things we got out of the Trump presidency was weakening of executive authority. I actually think Trump did some pretty good things, too. But you know what? Part of me says I wouldn't mind a little pushback on the executive branch. I'm kind of glad we're seeing it. They went a little nuts with it, though, to be honest. I'm not talking about impeachment. I'm talking about Congress being like, you can't go to war. Now we have Trump being like, I want to bring the troops back. And Congress is being like, no, we must stay at war. So, yeah, a lot of problems. Let's read on. He says, then there is the ascendant tribalist right wing, Trump world, MAGA land, where no facts need apply. President Donald Trump can go zero and 46 in court and his followers think he nailed it. There it is. The one sentence Jenk Uger needed to add to this to prove that he was wrong. Well, he's certainly right about three tribes, but Donald Trump didn't go zero and 46 in court. First of all, Donald Trump, the Trump campaign actually had one victory. More importantly, the Trump campaign has only probably had, I think, five or six actual suits. What what Jenk Uger is saying here that zero to 46, the 46 losses, he is he is repeating the line from the establishment propaganda that Donald Trump is filing lawsuits and failing. That is not true for the most part. Well, I'll say this. What I mean, what, what isn't true is these, these 46 lawsuits. It's a bunch of random people. Could you imagine if I filed a lawsuit on the behalf of the Young Turks, got kicked out and then said the Young Turks lost? They'd be like, we had nothing to do with it. And, and, and many of these suits are getting kicked out for standing. So, yeah, I could file a lawsuit and say as an as an audience member and subscriber to the Young Turks, I'm actually subscribed to the Young Turks, uh, uh, you know, because you want you want to make sure you're watching everything, which is why I know I disagree with them. Imagine if I sued and said as an audience member and the judge was like, no, no, get out of here. And then, you know, uh, Charlie Kirk started saying the Young Turks lose another lawsuit. They'd be like, dude, it's not us. Jenk Uger doesn't know what's going on on the right. He doesn't know what conservatives are thinking. But here I am reading an op-ed from Jenk Uger telling you what he is thinking. Remarkably, what we see from this is a mirror image of what's happening on the right. Now, let me, let me read more. And I'll break it down for you. He says, their worldview, referring to, referring to MAGA people, 
is cemented by a neurotic insecurity buttressed by the most brazen propaganda. Their alternative facts are wielded as blunt instruments. And that too works. So now we have the largest cult the world has ever seen, 74 million people. In an alternate universe where the facts are enemies of the people, this is enormously dangerous. One of those 74 million people is me, and many of them are you. And most of us who watch are not diehard zealots. My audience, the biggest faction is like moderate libertarian types. Then you have a decent amount of Trump supporters. But admittedly, I'll tell you one thing to my friends over at the Donald.win. I do read the Donald.win and I do watch the Young Turks sometimes. And I do read left wing forums because I want to know what people are talking about. I do find it kind of funny that y'all at the Donald.win make fun of me so often, which is absolutely fine. By all means, please keep doing it. Uh, I'm, I'm not perfect. And you're absolutely in your right to criticize me for the things you think I'm doing wrong. But y'all are watching my videos. <laughs> like, you know, that's how I, you know, it, it's interesting. I, with respect, I, I absolutely think that's uh, um, honorable. To watch a video of someone you disagree with and then to make fun of them is a sign of, uh, it's, it's akin to like steel manning the argument, trying to understand what the left is actually thinking and saying, and then criticizing them for it. That's something the left doesn't do. And I bring it up because it's the perfect example of Jenk Uger espousing establishment propaganda while thinking he's right, when in fact, it's actually the Trump supporters who are watching videos from people they disagree with and then criticizing them for it. Jenk Uger doesn't do that. If he did, he would know much, much more, particularly about the lawsuits Trump has filed. But there's more. Let's read. He says, if you grew up following mainstream media, you're thinking, wait, wait a minute. What about the moderate wing of the Republican Party? What moderate wing? 93% of Republicans voted for Trump. Right now, only 3% of Trump voters think Joe Biden won the election. Maybe that says something about you, Jenk Uger, you who watches MSNBC and mainstream media. The Young Turks produced a segment where they made fun of me for being ugly. It was really weird. Why? Because in the Timcast IRL podcast, I was talking about numerous studies which exist that say conservatives tend to be more attractive. They make fun of me. They called me stupid. And then they concluded I was correct and was actually citing scientific studies. Talk about the dumbest kind of content you could produce. How it, it was tribalist garbage, yet he wants to come out and thinks the think the facts don't matter to the to the right. I did not make a video praising Trump and saying Trump is, you know, the God emperor. And look, he's so handsome. I said nothing like that. So why would they produce a video where they show pictures of me literally mocking my appearance and then saying I was wrong? But actually, I was citing real Richardson was correct. I didn't even say it as a positive. For those that aren't familiar, there's a study talking about how conservatives tend to be more attractive and liberals tend not to be. And it has a lot to do with collectivism versus individuality. This was explained to me, as I said on the show, by a feminist describing privilege, saying that because people who are attractive have an easier go at life, they assume it's like that for everybody. That's privilege. And I said, it's an interesting concept. When I actually did a segment that should agree with the leftist worldview, they told me they, they, they I'm sorry, they insulted me, said I was missing the finer details, but then concluded I was right. That's what the young Turks do. So I'm not surprised to see that Trump, I'm sorry, that Cenk thinks he's the smart one in the room. He goes on to say, there's, uh, and to the point about the Republican Party, this says more about you when you, when you see 93% of the Republican Party voted for, uh, 93% voted for Trump, only 3% think Joe Biden won the election. It's not that low, but sure, he's citing something. So I'll give him his citation. Perhaps it's because Trump supporters 
and conservatives and even some Democrats do actually get their news from conflicting sources. Like I mentioned, my friends over the Donald.win who insult me, but still have the like the 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 mental fortitude, as it were, to watch the content, to know that I'm saying something they disagree with. It's not something you get from the left. I respect it. I absolutely do. And then when they come out and say I'm wrong and insult me, I respect that as well. I think that needs to happen. The left needs to do more of it. Instead, what do we get from the left? They don't watch my videos. They produce out of context garbage clips that people don't understand and then criticize me for things I didn't do. That's that's the MO of, of what the left does. They think they're being smart and reasonable. They're not. Like I mentioned, the Young Turks took a segment totally out of context and turned it into some weird pro right wing thing when I was actually being critical of the idea of, uh, uh, you know, critical of the idea of absolute meritocracy and having an honest conversation about it. Now he talks about let's read a little bit more. I want to get through this. He says there's something very important other tribes have to understand about Magaland. It genuinely believes the election was stolen. It does. And every other insane thing Trump says. Not entirely true, actually. Now imagine that Trump actually managed to steal this election, even though you know that Biden won. Imagine that he somehow remained in office on January 20th. What would you do? How mad would you be? Well, that's how mad his supporters are now, because in their reality, that is what happened to Trump and to them. Spot on. That's a really good point. It's a very, very uh, good point and very smart. My respect to Jank Uger because he nails that. I just happen to think he's the one in the fractured reality when he thinks he's the one in the reasonable reality. And my evidence to this is that he doesn't understand what's going on with Trump's lawsuits, why Trump is suing, nor has he actually looked at any of the evidence, the affidavits. And I've personally corroborated some of this evidence. I'm going to stop you right there. I am not exaggerating. Matthew Brainer from the Voter Integrity Project has evidence. I looked at some of it. I independently corroborated through alternate databases. Now, I'm not saying it's definitive proof. I'm saying what he has, he didn't just make up. It's very interesting. We need a legitimate investigation into this. Now, the reason the Trump supporters, the, the hardcore Trump supporters tend to be critical of me is because I'm not on board with Sidney Powell's, you know, Kraken or Lynn Wood's calls. None of that stuff. I think it hurts Trump's legitimacy. But the, the Trump supporters, that's what they're, that, that's, that's what's, you know, that's what they're all about. Not completely, but they're absolutely in defense of it. Now, Jenk says, The third group is the progressives, my group, and the one that is most interested in the betterment of the average person, but that also has the most rational worldview. Most rational, you say. This camp doesn't do absurd lies like MAGA lands. It can't be illegal if President Trump does it. Listen, Trump land has their absurd fake news. They do. And the left has their absurd fake news, too. The issue, I think, is that the left tends to either be establishment liars or progressives who tend to be incorrect. What this faction has, the 74 million people, many of whom voted for Trump, has people like James Lindsay. You follow James? Brilliant guy. He, he covers the critical race theory phenomenon and very critical of it. But he is not a hardcore Republican who believes all of Trump's lies. He voted for Trump because he is a rational individual watching what is happening in, in terms of critical race theory and calling out the left for going nuts. There are people like me. There are people who are moderate disaffected liberals who can see clearly that Trump certainly talks, you know, blows a lot of smoke, a lot of hot air. But the left has gone nuts. The way I described it in my earlier segment, the Democrats right now have lit a match and said, let's burn down the House. And the Republicans are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Only burn down the kitchen. That's the negotiations we have. There's no Republican right now saying mandate reopening mandate the economy, restart, protect the vulnerable. We don't get that. 
We get Democrats saying something extreme or, or, or ludicrous, and the Republicans being like, whoa, whoa, only, only, only half that. So what ends up happening is you get moderate leftist types like me voting for Donald Trump, saying the left has gone nuts. When the left is losing people to the right more than the right is losing people to the left, and most people on the right, which you know, 74 million people or so or whatever, think there's something fishy about this election, maybe it's you. Because I'm reading your op-ed, Jack. I know what you're thinking and why. You don't know what I'm thinking. You don't know what Trump supporters are thinking. You just get your news from establishment media and then believe it. But I tell you this, like I said, the right has their crazies, the left has their crazies. But right now, what the right does have is disaffected liberal types, intellectual dark web types. That's the tiebreaker, basically. Y'all on the left, you get the establishment. He says, we are the ones with the most rational worldview. This camp doesn't do absurd lies like MAGA lands. It can't be illegal if Trump does it. Or in the case of the establishment, it can't be outside the law if the person doing the extrajudicial killings is President Obama. And he's right about that. The, 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 the left was critical of Obama. I remember it. They protested the DNC. They were critical of Hillary Clinton. He says, if you're an NPR listening, New York Times reading liberal, you're probably outraged by that statement. But just look up extrajudicial killings under the military's drone program during the Obama years and get educated on the real facts. Jen is right. You see, that's the problem I have with what the populist left is doing in terms of not talking to or listening to Trump supporters. Man, when you actually listen and understand, you might realize we all agree on that. Could you imagine if the populist right and the populist left threatened these establishment politicians we won't vote for you and we won't support you unless you agree to stop drone bombing people. It would be done. Trump was drone bombing people, too. He says it's easy to make fun of someone else's alternate reality before you realize you live in one. Of course, you can say that I, I may have uh, that I have my own biases and hence my own reality. And there is some truth to that. There is literal truth to that. It's true for me, too. But I tell you this. The tiebreaker goes to the side that has individuals listening to the other side. The left isn't listening to Trump supporters. They're not. But Trump supporters are listening to the left. They're listening to me and that they're making fun of me for it. That's proof. Like, what do you want me to say? The fact that I can go on the Donald dot win, which is one of the biggest websites in the country now, relative to what you're, you know, the top 400 or top 500. And they'll be like, Tim, you're a loser. Proves they listen to what I'm saying and disagree with it. I'm sorry if I stress that point quite a bit, but that is the tiebreaker. That to me proves what we already know. The left doesn't know what the right is thinking. He says, we don't need to obfuscate to cover up the awkward realities of the brutality that is needed to maintain the status quo. I guess he's talking about the, you know, the existing power structure. One thing indisputable is that we officially live in three different worlds. Here, here, he's correct. And we can't even agree on facts. We all think the other sides are lying or deluding themselves. We have three alternate realities existing at the same time in the same place. So how do we communicate? When we're not even speaking the same language anymore, we progressives think we're speaking the language of logic, and we think the right wing tribe doesn't understand one word of that language. In fact, it doesn't even think our language should exist. To them, logic is for suckers and losers. Winners go for raw power, no matter what the facts are. Clearly, he's not talked to a Trump supporter. We also think the establishment members are the biggest hypocrites of all. Well, he's right about that. In their infinite elitism, they consider their worldview to be legitimate. One and the others to be radicals and fringe. We are centrists, they say, and everyone who disagrees with us is by definition not in the center. How grotesquely arrogant and patronizing. No, 
I'm actually in the center. The left doesn't want to admit it. The right does. It's fascinating. And that's a product of the disparate realities and why Jenk is wrong. The left says Tim Pool is a right wing shill. He's always yelling about the left. Yes. But maybe if you actually looked at what the right was doing and you understood the, the fracture right now is this. Do we shut down the economy and then give people some cash or do we reopen the economy and protect the vulnerable? Only one of those is in public debate. So when I come out critical of, of the left, then they say Tim Pool is right wing for criticizing us. I'm sorry. The right wing debate isn't even happening in government. It's like Michael Malice said when they mandated health insurance under the individual mandate, where was the gun mandate that everyone must own a gun? There was no right wing equivalent to what they were doing, because, like I said, the Democrats will propose knocking down a house and the Republicans will say, just knock down the kitchen instead of saying, how about we don't knock down the house at all? He says, even if you hate the messenger or I'm sorry, he says, oh, of course, the most infuriating part is that they are wrong. Factually, empirically wrong. Dozens of polls show that almost every issue, the country is nearly two thirds progressive. You see, Jank just does not understand it. That's not that's not reality, bro. We can let let, let me play a game with you. If I said to you, do you think the government, the government should take existing available resources and invest them into uh, programs to develop renewable energies and make America energy independent? Most people would say, of course, absolutely. Then I would check down in favor of the Green New Deal. But the Green New Deal doesn't do that. That's how polls work. Polls are, are, are propaganda for the most part. That's why I'm very careful when I use polls. I try to use aggregates. I could also, I also ask you this. Would you be in favor of the largest overhaul of the private sector government? Uh, would you be in favor of the largest, largest government takeover of the private sector and a massive spike in taxation in order to generate uh, in order to research new technologies, which are often unreliable. No, of course not. Boom. Against the Green New Deal. You see how polls work? You got to understand this. But I want to wrap this up with one important thing to Jenk. Jenk Uger is not a progressive. No, I think Jenk Uger is the establishment. The establishment knows they can't let the progressives get out of line like the Trump supporters do, because Trump supporters have fractured the Republican establishment. Trump is the party. And if they don't agree with Trump, well, they don't win because the Republican Party has rallied behind Trump, much like the progressives rallied behind Bernie. Bernie was too weak to take the reins. Trump wasn't. And this is why I think Jenk is the Repo- is the establishment. There's something called force the vote. Like I mentioned earlier on, you see Pelosi is trending with 191,000 tweets. Nancy Pelosi could lose Speaker of the House because they're within, I think, like five seats of not having the majority vote. So the progressives, notably Jimmy Dore, Jimmy's rad. He said the progressives should tell Pelosi, we will not vote for you unless you get us a floor vote on Medicare for all. Personally. I am for Medicare for all. However, I'm not sure it can actually be implemented. I'm worried it might just be a utopian pipe dream because you might, you know, they talk about all the other, all these other countries having it and they don't understand that there are certain trade-offs, restrictions and limitations, but more importantly, like wait times and uh, certain treatments being unavailable. More importantly, they don't understand that our economy is like 20% the, the health, the health industry. And even Bernie recognized we would lose like four million jobs, which could be devastating. So as much as I like the idea and I'm for this, like you could go to, you go to the hospital, your arm's broken, you got the flu. You know, um, I, I believe that if we have 
uh, acute illnesses or like, I don't know if, actually, I don't know if acute is the right word. If you have like rare, obscure, or hard to treat things, you'll need private insurance. So a balance, but like universal basic coverage to me makes sense. I just don't know how we do it. I certainly would agree with Jimmy Dore though. If you're a progressive and you believe in something, you better demand it. Jen Kuger says, there is nothing wrong with force the vote. What's wrong is the timing. Let's do force the vote 10 more times at the right time. Right time is not an excuse to wait in this case. The right time was before this vote. I like being aggressive, but you have to do it strategically. What does that even mean? Jimmy responds. Yes, we need to keep waiting. You're such a good boy Democrat. Did Jank get his talking point straight from Nira Tandon again? Bravo, Jimmy. You see, that's why I like Jimmy Dore, because he focuses on the establishment and he talks about the largest transfer of wealth in history. He, he's talking about issues that affect the people, the working class people, and he's being honest and legit. Now, a lot of people, these progressives don't like him because he calls it the Democrats. But look at what Jenk is saying. He's saying nothing. He's saying, don't jam up Pelosi. Why not? Why not? Let it happen. The Republicans will probably block it. It won't go anywhere. But come on, man. You got to stand up for what you believe in. No, Jenk Uger is protecting the establishment. That's what he's doing. And that's why I think with this op-ed, what he's writing is it's, it's faux progressivism. Jenk is an establishment elite. He's always been. He hangs on the fringes of that elite, desperately begging to be let in, and they won't do it. But he's still here defending Nancy Pelosi. Why? Progressives don't like Pelosi. Trump supporters don't like Pelosi. Moderate in the middle people don't like Pelosi. And I actually defended her in the past. And that was a mistake. Because I saw that I, I felt like, you know, as much as I, I'll tell you this, I think the progressive Democrats that Jimmy are calling on, I think are duplicitous. And I think that they're snapback, clapback politicians who are not legitimate. There are some of there, there are some Democrats that I think are good, though, doing a good job. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. Look, I can have my opinions and obviously my opinions on some of these progressives negative. And I've got negative opinions about some some uh, right wing politicians as well. But it makes sense. Use the leverage you have now to to tell Nancy Pelosi to do what needs to be done. And if she won't do it, then don't vote for her. But Jenk, for no reason, with no explanation, is saying don't do it. It's not the right time. That's meaningless. When is the right time? What is the right time? No, he's the establishment. He doesn't know what the right is thinking. And he is the one who is standing in front of the progressives, putting his hands up, saying, no, 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 guys, 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 don't, 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 don't challenge the establishment. Why would you do that? I'm not a big fan of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Uh, I don't consider these Antifa types, and these far leftists to be my friends. I think they're extremists and they're often low information individuals. But I will say I'm not going to stand in their way when they make demands of the establishment and are, are tearing them down. Don't, you know, uh, I'll just put it that way. What I will say is the disparate realities thing is true. And if the establishment tumbles, then it's just left and right populists staring at each other. That's when their disagreements come to uh, come to a head. I'll leave it there. Next segment was, will be coming up over at uh, the Tim Pool channel, which you can find by typing in youtube.com slash Timcast. I know it's not this channel. Type it in. Trust me. And you'll go to a different channel. Thanks for hanging out. I will see you all at youtube.com slash Timcast at 4 p.m. in the next segment.